We uh, want you go ahead and turn to First Samuel sixteen. We're not. <clears throat> we're not. We're not regressing, but we will get there this morning. First Samuel sixteen. We've been talking the last few weeks about finding where God dwells, finding where he lives, learning to appreciate him and where he lives. And we looked at the symbolism in the Old Testament of the courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies, which made up the tabernacle. And then we looked at when Solomon built the temple courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And it was within the holy of holies that the presence of God dwelt. Then we saw the reality of that, today's reality, with our body, our soul, and our spirit. The body being the outer court, what we function with in this world. The soul being the holy place. It's made up of our mind, emotion, and our will. It's us. It's who we are. And then our spirit. And we are a soul with a spirit. Now, you can't separate the spirit from the soul. You can distinguish between the two. You can distinguish between what comes from the soul, and you can distinguish what comes from the spirit. But you can't separate those because I am a soul with a spirit, and that makes up who I am. My body is the house that I live in. And we've been talking about how to find that presence, how to still our body, how to learn to just be still physically. If we can't control the urgings of our body, it's going to be very difficult to quiet our soul. And that was the second part. We still our body. We quiet our soul. And in the quietness of our soul, we learn to just speak gently to the Lord. Adoration. Father, I just thank you for loving me. I just thank you for being so good to me. I praise you for your presence. I praise you for being here, living inside of me. We learn to turn our attention to where he lives. We have a tendency to go to outer space when we want to talk to the Father. My prayer is that the reality of his presence here will supersede anything else knowing that he's here, that it'll be practically real to us, that he does live here. And we learn that we can quiet our soul by pray reading the word, by just taking a verse and just conversing with the Lord about it. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. Just taking the first two words, the Lord. Father, thank you for being my Lord and listening. What does it mean for you to be my Lord and listening? It's a conversation, not a shopping list. We're not coming to demand anything from him. We're coming to get to know him. We're coming to ask him to reveal himself to us. And we're being still and quiet to listen to what he has to say. Lord, you are my shepherd. Thank you for that. Would you show me what that means? How does it look to be a shepherd? How does it look to have a shepherd? And then listening. And just having that quiet conversation with him. All that takes place in our soul, those decisions that we make, those choices that we make. But it's in the spirit 
where the spirit, it, it is in our spirit where God dwells. It is in our spirit where the spirit of God reveals to us what God is like. It's not in our emotions. Once we learn in our spirit who God is and what God is like, it will affect our emotions. Okay? It will affect our mind. But just because our mind is stirred or uh, aroused and we have these warm feelings or we have these nice thoughts does not mean we've touched God. For God reveals himself to us in his spirit. And it's important for us to learn to touch our spirit. And that's the whole purpose of this exercise in quieting our body, I mean, stilling our body, quieting our soul in order that we might receive in our spirit, okay? So that's kind of an overview of what we've been talking about. And uh, we're going to eventually talk about the spirit and how we respond in that. But I want to talk to you about something this morning that is so predominant in Christian culture. I think it's so misunderstood. I think it's so misplaced. And that is music. What part does music play in touching God? Boy, I, we, we, the church is big today on music. It is a money-making industry, for one thing. There are people that become celebrities in Christian music. And so it's a big deal in the church. We give a lot of time to music. But I think there's some misunderstandings about it. It has a place but I'm not sure it's the place that we've placed it. I heard two older Christians, actually older than me, <clears throat> in Kansas City one time say to me that they were concerned that the church had begun to worship worship. And I think it's very easy sometimes to worship music instead of really allowing the Lord to touch us and to change us. Music can be a tremendously powerful influence in our soul. I mean, we don't have to be saved for music to influence our soul. You can see anywhere where music touches people. You can see, we went to a, a while back, we went to a uh, father-daughter dance at the triplets, the, the Eve and the twin school. And they had a father-daughter dancer. And Justin and I went. We got all dressed up, went. They got all dressed up. They were really excited about it. And, man, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to get to dance. It's going to be fun with your granddaughter. And we walk into this room, into the gym. And I don't know if you know what a rave is, okay? But that's what it was. The music was so loud you could not even think. You couldn't even converse. But I'm telling you, the kids went nuts. I mean, they were jumping up and down. They were so excited. She, there wasn't gonna be, I, we couldn't keep up with them. There wasn't no dancing with them. It was just, they're, they're just doing their thing. We just sat on the back and said, what the heck? There was, it just, and you could see how music influences our soul. It influences our emotion, makes us feel a certain way. It stirs up certain emotions inside of us. It can stir up fear. It can stir up compassion. It can stir up lust. It can stir up all kinds of things. So music can have a tremendous, powerful influence on the soul. And I want you to look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 
<clears throat> this is a story of Saul. And you might just review this a little bit. Saul was the king of Israel. He disobeyed God and ended up costing him his kingdom. And it also cost him his life. And we find an interesting verse in Psalms, chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. I don't. This is going to challenge your theology, but don't get hung up on it because that's not the point today, okay? Well, notice what it says. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul because of his disobedience, because of his rebellion. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. If you have trouble believing that God sent an evil spirit to terrorize Saul, deal with it later, okay? Don't get hung up on that right now. That's not the point. But here was a situation. Now, God's everywhere. But the presence of God withdrew from Saul because of his disobedience, because of his rebellion. I think what happened is Saul chose something other than the presence of God. And the consequence of that is he is not aware of the presence of God. God's still around, but he wasn't around in Saul's awareness. All right, now look in chapter, verse 23. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God, don't get hung up there, so it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Interesting? The Spirit of God had withdrawn. That Saul was not aware of the presence of God, of the Spirit of God. And an evil spirit came to torment him. David, who had been anointed king, who had been anointed of the Lord, came and played a harp, and as he played it, it refreshed Saul and made Saul well, and the evil spirit would depart from here. Music can serve to quiet my music can serve to quieten my soul and keep me, help me refocus on the Father. We talked about <clears throat> When we're trying to quieten our soul, all these thoughts come. We're bombarded by, bombarded by these distractions that want to pull us away, that want to pull us aside from our journey into the presence of God. And the enemy plans on doing that. He uses thoughts. He uses emotions. Well, I don't feel good. I don't feel like it. All these things he uses to draw us away from realizing the presence of God in our life. Music can serve to calm my soul. Music can serve to help me refocus. Not focus on what I've got to do. Not focus on what I'm not doing. Not focus on what I did, but to focus on the Father. It can help me settle my soul and refocus my attention on the Father. If, if, the music exalts Christ if it focuses on him and not me. Now, a whole lot of our music 
doesn't focus on the Lord. A whole lot of our music talks all about our experience. A whole lot of our music talks about, well, this is how I felt. This is how I feel. This is how I'm this. This is how I'm that. And in reality, the focus is not on the Lord. The focus is on me. And that's not going to draw me. That's not going to refocus my attention to the Lord. It's going to make me more aware of my problems, more aware of my issues, more aware of my inadequacies. Music can help quieten my soul so I am not so distracted in my pursuit of God's presence. In my pursuit of God's presence, there are these distractions that come. Sometimes I'm able to say, no, I'm not going there later. I'm able to make those choices. But sometimes it seems so intense that I, I, I just, it seems like music is what will help me refocus. But helping me refocus is only so I can pursue his presence. It is not the end of itself. It is a means to an end. The means is to quieten my soul that I can enter into the presence of God without the distractions. But the temptation is to just let the music move my emotions, to move my will, and I just stop there. And I'm satisfied with that. Look what happened here. David praying for Saul, excuse me, David playing for Saul, refreshed Saul, and caused the evil spirit to leave. But it did not usher in the presence of God. You see that? Whenever he prayed, whenever he played, it refreshed him and made him well, calmed his soul. But it did not usher in the presence of God. The purpose of music is not to usher down, call down, stir up the presence of God. The purpose of music, I believe, is to calm my soul in order for me to pursue God. It calmed David, I mean Saul. It refreshed David. It made him well. But you know what he did not do? He did not turn his attention to the Father. He did not repent. He did not change his mind. And even though this evil spirit wasn't there to torment him, that's a good thing but it was not what was intended, and that was for the presence of God to be there. The presence of God never came back. Not because it, David Saul wasn't soothed, but because in his heart, he didn't make that turn to enter into the presence of God. It enabled Saul to be free from the Spirit's influence, but he would have had to choose repentance for the Spirit of God to return. He would have had to address his heart. And so many times we don't want to address our heart. Music can help free me from distractions. But that does not automatically mean I have been ushered into God's presence. That's something I choose. And I especially with youth meetings, there is a real tendency To stir the soul and end with that. How high can we get them? How excited can we make them? 
And we think that soulish excitement is going to translate into the transformation of Christ into their life. But the Spirit of God dwells in the Spirit. He doesn't work. He works in the soul, but he doesn't live there. And just because my emotions are stirred, and just because I'm excited, just because I make these promises, and just because all of that can be done by my emotions, by my mind, or by my will, and never touch the Father. I think it's very important that we understand, and you notice that that happened today, by the way. That song we sang, Graves into Gardens. Did you notice there came a point where the words were absolutely immaterial? There came a point where it shifted. We, there came, there, we, we started in, we were looking at the words, we were singing the words, remember those words, and all of a sudden, we don't need no stinking words. It's just us and the Father. See, this is the means to help us get there. It is not the end in itself. So it calms my soul. It refocuses my heart so that I can enter into his presence, so that I can rejoice in him. That's why we have so many pauses in our meeting. To give you a chance to process what you just sang and turn your heart to the Father and enter into his presence. Just singing the song doesn't mean you've entered anything but a nice emotion. But it is a means to an end to enter into his presence and to enjoy him and to receive from him. The Old Testament temple worshipers, they had choirs, they had singers, they had musicians, but none of them were in the Holy of Holies. They were all without. And they were all there in preparation for the Holy, the holy of Holies. Once you got in there, there wasn't a word uttered. There wasn't a sound made. There wasn't any conversation because the presence of God was there and the priest was in the presence of God. Sometimes what we call worship is nothing more than our emotions being moved by music. Well, who are you to determine that? I don't determine it. I don't have to determine it. You determine it. Is that all you got is a good feeling? Is that all you got is a thrill up your back? Is that all you got? Or did you touch the presence of God? Is it something that happened in your life that made a difference in your life? Or did it just get you through today? Made me feel good today. Well, what would you sing yesterday? I don't remember. What was the message about? I don't remember. I can tell you this. When you touch God, you remember. Because His Spirit changes us and conforms us and transforms us into His image. We are journeying. Remember, we are journeying to a place, that being our spirit. We are journeying, this is a journey, <clears throat> from our body to our soul to our spirit. We are journeying to a place where a whisper becomes a shout. When you enter into his presence, you don't have to say a thing. When you enter into his presence, 
To say anything would be a distraction. To hear anything would pull you out of that awareness of his presence. So the purpose of this is to quiet my soul, to bring me into his presence where there is silence. We, what we're doing, what I pray we're doing, is we're learning to move into God's presence wherever we are. Wherever we are. I'm not just, if all you do is move into God's presence here, that's good. But you're missing the point. <clears throat> Our objective is to learn to move into the, to be aware of the presence of God wherever we are without any external stimulation. Think about what all that includes. Without any, can I learn to touch the Father in me without any external stimulation? That means I choose to go where God lives. I choose to value his presence. I choose to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Without any external stimulation whatsoever, and without the confinement of any ge geographical location. See, we get to this place sometime where <clears throat> this is where I have my quiet time. And this is where I really touch God. And I have to come here, this geographical place, whether it's in a garden or in a closet or in my bedroom or in the garage or wherever, I have this place that I go and touch God. That's fine. But if I am limited to that, I'm going to be in a real fix when I'm in Walmart <clears throat> and I'm being assailed by a bunch of idiots that are trying to pull me away from entering in the presence of God. And I'm thinking, if I could just get back to my room till then, I'm going to be mean as a snake. But when I get back in my room, I'm going to be quiet and still. <clears throat> without any geographical limitations. I've told this story before. I love it because it so illustrates. An old preacher was preaching in a tent meeting one time, and he was talking about how he had encountered God, how he had learned to touch him, how he, got, he had learned for God to fill him and control every area of his life. And he was just going on and on talking about how awesome it was. <clears throat> After it was over with, a young man came up to him and says, wow, man, that's just awesome. How do I have that? How do I get that? And the old man said, well, it's interesting you ask. The place that that happened for me is right out in these woods behind this tent. Would you take me there? Would you show me where it's at? He said, sure, come on. So they started walking. <clears throat> old man's talking about the presence of God, how he changed his life, how he touched his heart. And they come to this little clearing, and the young man says, is this the place? Is this a place right here? He said, no, that's not it. It's on up here. They walk a little further, and he's talking about the glory of God and how real God was to him and all the things God had done in him, and they come to another clearing. He says, this, is this a place right here? He said, no, that's not it. It's a little further. They walk a little further. He talks a little more. <clears throat> they come to this clearing. The young man falls on his knees and said, I can't go on anymore. i got to have him now. And the guy said, that's the place. That's the place. It is not the geographical location. It is the condition of my heart. And I've heard from so many of you over the last few weeks that said to me, 
I found what you're talking about. But I found it only after I was so desperate I could not go on. And my response is, that's the place. That's the place. That's where you'll meet him. When your heart is so desperate, you're so dissatisfied with what you have in life, you are so dissatisfied with the lack of power. You are so dissatisfied with this habit controlling your life, regardless of what it is. You are so dissatisfied, and you cannot go on without getting God's presence. That's the place that you will meet God. They are probably not going to be playing linger over the loudspeaker at Walmart. I mean, you're probably not going to be able to go, oh, I linger, I linger. That's probably not going to happen. And if it was, somebody in line behind you would be pushing you on. It's learning to touch him here. He lives within. And learning to realize his presence there. Music that comes from the Spirit of God and exalts Christ draws me back into his presence. Makes me want to worship him. There's there some songs that, that do that for me. There are times whenever I go, and I have different places that I do it, you know, where I concentrate on doing that. Usually it's up in, in our bedroom in front of my desk and prop my feet up on this little toy box. And sometimes, no problem. But sometimes I got so much junk going on, I, I, I'm just, you know, so much being assailed with all these thoughts, and I just have to turn on, I've got iTunes on my computer and I just find two or three particular songs, and it calms my soul. It helps me refocus. It turns my attention from all the things that I'm struggling with to the Lord and to his presence. Draws me into his presence, but it's a choice. It's because my emotions have been touched. It's because my mind has been touched. It doesn't mean I've touched God. It is a choice to go on into his presence. I love this picture. I believe this is a picture of the purpose of songs. And it's John the Baptist. All right? In John chapter 1, verse 6, it says about John the Baptist, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The purpose of John being sent was to testify of the light as a witness. The light being Jesus. The purpose of John coming was to testify. Was to what, what do you do when you testify You, as a witness? You share what you've seen or what you've heard or what you've experienced. The purpose of John coming was to testify of the light as a witness. They came to John and they said, well, are you him? Are you the one? Are you the one we've been looking for? I love what John said in verse 23. He said, I'm not the one you're looking for. What he said was, I am a voice. I love that. I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Preparing people to experience God's presence. Jesus, the one who is God, who in God inhabits is coming. I'm here to prepare you for meeting him when he comes.
That's my purpose. I'm a voice. I'm just a voice to say to you, you ought to see the one that's coming. You ought to know the one that's coming. He is awesome. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Repent. Change your mind from what you're doing and be open to what's coming. Jesus is coming. The light is coming. He says, then the people that heard that could make a decision. They either made a decision to receive his word and go to Jesus or merely settle for the word. And some of them settled. But in John chapter 3, verse 30, John makes this declaration. Jesus came, and the followers of John were concerned. We've been following you, John, and Jesus comes, and they want to know, is this him? Is this the one? Because we're doing pretty good following you. We like that. And before we drop that and change that, is he the one? And John's response to that question was, he must increase I must decrease. That is a good purpose for our understanding of music. It must decrease that he must increase, and they're not one and the same. Music can calm my soul, read to focus my heart towards him, but then it's my choice to go on. Do I just settle for the music? Do I just settle for my soul being touched? Do I just settle for my emotions being stirred? Do I just settle for my mind being enlightened? Or do I take that refocus and enter into the presence of God what God has done and allow him to touch music? Here's my encouragement to you. Include music in your time of entering God's presence when it's needed to help quieten your soul. But learn to enter without it. Learn to be standing in the most crowded, noisiest room you can find and calm your soul, quiet your soul, still your body, quiet your soul, and receive in your spirit what the Lord has for you at that moment in time. Because there will be times, I mentioned to you about being in a dental chair. I mean, if you can do it in a dental chair, you can do it anywhere. That drilling, I mean, you can just hear the sound now and you get chills. But that was one of the things the Lord showed me. I had to go to the dentist one day and I had to have a filling. And I sat down in the chair and he says, you're going to be able to touch me here? I said, well, I don't know. Now, I mean, your, your rear is puckered. Your legs are tense, and you're laying there, and, and my whole body was just, you know, oh, God, what's he going to do? And he sticks that thing in your mouth, and then you, okay, still my body. Quiet my soul. Father, you're here. You came with me to the dentist. You came with me to the dentist that I might touch you, and I might know you here. So allow, per, allow use music. If it, if, if it helps you at that point in time to still your body and quieten your soul. But don't just settle for that. 
learn to try to approach him without any outside stimulus or without any geographical location necessary for you to touch the Lord. Three things. Still the body, quiet the soul, receive from the spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, how to receive from the spirit. Because the posture in the presence of God is to receive. It's always been that. It's always been to receive from him. He's got it all. You ain't got nothing. I mean, I know that's not good English, but it's true. You don't have anything. I'm there to receive from him. He has it all. I need everything he has. And that's our posture when we begin to learn to touch the spirit and touch the father inside of us. Okay. All right. Any questions?